You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona. It is 8 o'clock Saturday morning. You're tuned in to Rosie on the House. That means it's time to talk landscape and gardening. This 8 o'clock hour, we've changed it a little bit over the years. The first Saturday of the month, we bring in the Arizona, Depart- the Arizona Farm Bureau and talk about what is currently being harvested in Arizona and the ag industry here. Second Saturday of the month, we bring in John Eisenhower, ISA certified arborist, talking trees. Third Saturday of the month, John Harper joins us talking uh, all things gardening, growing, landscaping. Third Saturday of the month, we bring in urban farmer uh, Greg Peterson to talk uh, about urban farm. And occasionally, if you're looking at your home maintenance calendar that you can get by sending the address you would like it mailed to, to info at rosieonthehouse.com, we'll send you a complimentary home maintenance calendar. You're looking and you see March 30th. But there's nothing on the landscape and garden to do a couple times a year. We get this magic fifth Saturday of the month that uh, we kind of use for our wild card Saturday. We ta- bring in different specialists, different aspects, different perspectives that relate to landscape, gardening, growing. And this week I was trying to decide what, what topic should we cover uh, cover this week. And I thought, you know, with the everything water going on and the legislation and the Colorado River drought contingency plan, all the rain we've got. We're coming into our hot months where we use a lot of our water. I thought it would be a good time to talk proper irrigation because we can waste a lot of water if we're not irrigating properly. So you know what that means. Spalding, this calls for the old Billy Barule. Billy, 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 Billy. Whoa, Billy, Billy. This is a biggie. This is a biggie, Bill Jenkins. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Talk about setting me at ease. Thank you, Romy. Time for the old Billy Baru, Bill Good Jenkins. Good morning. And you want to talk Arizona history. Your father gave Rosie his first job digging that sprinklers, true. ditches on Camelback he Mountain. That's the story. That's true. That's a, a sweet story. Um, <laughs> we uh, we are blessed to have a long relationship with your family, and we cherish that. Thank you very much. And uh, been in a second-generation irrigation specialist now? Oh, that's true. My dad was doing this for a long time, and I grew up around it. I drove around in his Ford pickup with him, and he called me a gopher. He said, go for this, go for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I gave Dad a Father's Day gift one time. It was to the man who taught me everything about hand tools. And you open it up, and it says, hand me that tool. Good. Now go stand over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I did learn a lot. And uh, if I had my own ways, I was kind of a, a technical guy. So I kind of developed my own methods. But uh, I, I was an irrigation technician for many, many years. I uh, drove around in a little Toyota truck, actually. And uh, I think I spent my life in Arcadia <laughs> going and repairing irrigation systems. So learned a lot in the field. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of times I had to admit I didn't know, uh, didn't know what I was running into, but uh, a lot of on-the-job training when I was a young man. And when we're looking at irrigating, we're obviously in a very dry climate. We've got most of our water comes from... Mm-hmm. Uh, municipalities, which comes from a lot of different ground pumping. Uh, oh, yeah, obviously pulling the water CSP, out of the ground. Uh, obviously, Salt River Project, if you're on an irrigated landscape there, which mm-hmm. are fabulous It's a precious properties. resource. <laughs> All right. Um, one of my pet peeves is how much we waste water. 
Uh, if I had a nickel for every time I saw people overwatering in the wintertime, I'd have a really big pile of nickels. Or all of the irrigation systems that water the sidewalk and oh, the sure. driveway, like this apartment complex you pass pulling into the station. <laughs> if I had a nickel every time I drove in and their sprinklers you know, were on watering at, their concrete. But at the same time, you can also, um, you know, there's there's cutting with chainsaws and then there's pruning with pruners. Um there, uh, and, and this would be maybe a topic we can't cover on the radio, but uh, you can be obsessed over uh, little things, uh, but it's the, it's the big things that really matter. Uh, spray systems uh, for irrigation systems are, are going to get little adjacent hardscapes wet, and certainly that's, that can be a necessary evil. Um, but uh, we, we really want to focus on, on the big water wasters, uh, and that's a really bad design, uh, and that's really using the systems ineffectively. And that's where uh, most of the water occurs at the irrigation time clock, uh, just using the systems improperly. Uh, watering every day in January is just not required. So Th that, that's the issue, <laughs> is people just not using the irrigation system correctly. And, and designing a proper irrigation system, you've got the water coming in from the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, that's um, that's a lot of the there's there's the using the system correctly, and then there's designing a system correctly. Uh, and one of the things, uh, if you don't, if you're if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you want to be involved in doing it yourself. Um, you obviously, if you don't want to go the route of hiring a professional, you don't want to bring in an irrigation professional to, to do the job for you, which is certainly what I would recommend. Of course, I'm in the business. Um, then you have some tools at your disposal. And, and obviously, just going to your local home outlet store and buying a bunch of parts and going out and assembling something is not necessarily the best thing to do. Um, you can get some professional guidance, and in many cases, it's free. Um, one of my favorite companies, Rainbird, uh, they sell parts uh, uh, even online. Uh, and major manufacturer. Some of their manufacturing is in Tucson, is it not? They do make them here in Arizona. That's correct. Um, they have a website, rainbird.com. I, I, don't, I don't get a commission. <laughs> uh, and they actually will do free design for homeowners. You can look it up online. I don't work for them. Um, but uh, you can actually, with a little bit of information they require, you can actually send information to them, and they'll send you, uh, again, uh, in I think it's something like 10 days or something, they'll send you a little design which will actually help you with the layout of your irrigation system. So there's a lot of online resources. And, of course, with the advent of YouTube and with the advent of all the online resources, nowadays. There's really no excuse for not finding quite a bit of information online uh, and, and having a lot of guidance where in the old days, of course, uh, uh, we didn't have that. And there's things to take in consideration. The uh, water pressure delivered to your home, mm -hmm. how many gallons per minute you can have, that mm -hmm. plays in big if you've got a robust uh, but you see, those things are often beyond the uh, the homeowner. That's that's something you know. I I might as a professional, I, I should know how many gallons of water a minute I can draw through a certain size pipe. If I don't don't if I don't know that, I'm in the wrong business. But but does the average homeowner know what uh, what's the maximum velocity in a certain size pipe on a, you know, in a in a given situation? You know, that's the study of hydraulics, and that's for a professional to know. Um, that's where getting a little bit of guidance or, or going to a professional, that's where that really pays off. Um, there are some little things over the years that I have run into that are just good guidelines. And, and one of the things that I've run into, when you have a, uh, your, your average single-family home, and, and there's a, a lot of uh, generalities here, a lot of common situations, um, a lot of folks will go to the back hose bib when you're putting a system in a backyard, 
uh, and they'll tie into that little itty bitty tiny pipe at the back hose bib and then put in this really nice big lawn area in the backyard and they'll use that as the water source for that back One lawn of those system. sprinklers that uh, you know, swings <laughs> back and forth and you got to go out and move. Well, sure, and that may be for the hose that feeds that. And if they're using a hose and using that kind of sprinkler, well, that's fine. That's just a little hose-operated sprinkler. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the person, the weekend warrior, that might go to the home outlet store and, and, and buy some pipe and, and buy some valves and, and go and actually attach to that little tiny half-inch pipe. That's not the best place to get water for a sprinkler system. You need to go get a larger pipe on the property. You need to go find a larger piece of pipe, a three-quarter or a one-inch piece of pipe, if you can, a larger source of water. That's usually more in the front yard. Most properties, and again, this varies throughout the entire uh, valley, but uh, you've got to go closer to the water meter. You just said, you know, it comes in from the water meter. You've got to get closer to the water meter to get to a larger piece of pipe, not that little tiny hose bib that's that labyrinth of pipe that comes through the house and goes through the kitchen and that through all the plumbing walls and through the laundry room. And <laughs> you, know, you imagine that spaghetti of all the piping going through the house and it finally shows up at that back hose bib. That's not the best source of water. So that's just one little you know, pitfall, one little guideline that, that I can share, just a little, a little nugget of information. And then for the first thing we have to install when we're teeing off, we've got the water line that goes into the house, and there's usually a pressure regulator there. Mm-hmm. We tee off to the irrigation. Backflow the- prevention. Right. I knew you were leading up to that. <laughs> Whenever you tie into a what we call potable water system or drinking water, you need to separate the irrigation water from the drinking water. And all, almost all plumbing codes require that separation. And in many residential situations, they'll require what's called a pressure-type vacuum breaker, and we call them PVBs for short. And, and yes, and of course, we're getting into plumbing code here, but uh, just know that there is a device called a backflow preventer that's required. And if you ever have somebody putting a system in for you or, or, or you know, a professional that says that's not required, that's a red flag. That's something that you're going to want to look into a little bit harder. And if you are a do-it-yourselfer, you know, that's not a cost you want to skip. Uh, it's important. You don't want to be drinking water that's contaminated with uh, with the cross connection, they call it, or um, you know, water that's been, been in the wrong places. And you think, well, how could I get a backflow into my water system from a outgoing line? Mm-hmm. But you leave a hose connected, um, well, plenty of siphoning, <laughs> it, water's a very uh, opportunistic beast. <laughs> Again, go to the internet and look up cross-connection, and you can, you can look up some scary stories about situations where people uh, have had cross-connection and, and all kinds of scary stories about people getting sick or, or other situations where things got into the drinking water supply from even industrial sources and, and other places where people got sick and, and contaminated water and even some really scary industrial situations. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a real thing. So we got our backflow prevention valve installed. Next mm-hmm. comes our, uh, our control manifold, and we'll talk about selecting mm-hmm. the right type of irrigation control here at Rosie on the House. If you'd like to join the conversation, it's one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions are 411-923, or you can send an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com. Here with you every Saturday morning. Join Bill Jenkins of Think Green uh, Design Irrigation. Design Build Landscape. Design Build Landscape. I, it's a mouthful. 
It's been a, a developing name over the years. It was Think Green Irrigation at it first, was. and Think it Green was. Landscape. Now it's Think Green Design, design build, build Landscape. Design Build Landscape. Well, thanks for spending Saturday morning with us. If you've got a weed problem, uh, we've got weeds everywhere. If you live in an HOA, I'm sure you're aware of it. They love this. Come around and leave nice little love letters for you on your weed situation. Well, you don't have to uh, call in the big guns. You can just burn it out with a product that's both people and pet safe. That's right. Bonides burn out weed and grass killer can be applied to just any type of weed, whether it's on your uh, sidewalks, patios. You can even apply it to the base of mature trees around buildings. If you've got flower bed or vegetable garden you're trying to plant, you can clean it out with burnout. can be used any place, and it's not a uh, – it's rainproof, so it's not something that will translocate with uh, sprinklers or – uh, rain. You can find burnout at any one of the all over the state, including Mesquite Valley Growers in Tucson, Summer Winds in Phoenix on Tatum Boulevard, or Treeland Nursery in Mesa. If you've got a weed problem, just burn it out. Before we get to irrigation control selection, we're going to bring Gloria into the conversation who wants to talk to Bill about uh, her system. Welcome to the program, Gloria. How may we help you? Um, we have lived in the same place for a very long time, and we have spent a bazillion dollars, and that's an exaggeration, but on just trying to get drip systems um, We've converted to all rocks and just some plants around. We are still, we can't get it right. We've hired people. They come in, put new piping, do whatever, um, just to water a few plants. My water bill is, was $300 a couple of months ago. We weren't home, and some valve broke. But my plants look like heck. It's, I still don't think things are getting watered properly. I end up dropping a hose on a couple of my big trees and let them flow water overnight. Is there anybody who could come do a real professional job? <laughs> well, hi, Gloria, and thanks for calling. Um, Boy, you just hit with a whole bunch of really good points there, and obviously you've given this a lot of thought. Um, you're not alone. Those are a lot of the common complaints I hear about drip systems, and and you touched on some really good points there. Um, there is such a big difference between a, a really well-engineered drip system, one that's installed with good design and good parts and good workmanship, uh, and then one that's not well thought out. And they both get lumped into the category of quote-unquote drip system. Um, and, and, you know, the old saying, your mileage may vary. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and uh, so don't, don't despair. You're not alone. And, and of course, uh, I, I guess it's a, a shameless plug, but sure, we could, we could help. You'll have to contact Romy off, off air here, and, and we, can, we can get together and, and talk. Um, as far as your situation, uh, a couple of things come immediately to mind. You talked about your trees and having to put a hose on them. One of the things that we like to see is trees typically are put on their own valve. They're typically separated so that they can be watered on their own schedule. 
uh, and water well, deeply. I do have that. Oh, good. That's great. Um, but then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We well, just bought new clocks, mm-hmm. Rainbird clocks. Well, I like the My brand, but... fixed a, a one valve. Mm-hmm. I just would like to find somebody who could come fix the whole thing. Right. Make and, it work. <laughs> and maintenance issues and reliability issues, uh, it, it could be a lot of things. So, uh, yeah, that's there's so many things you're bringing up there. It's it's kind of hard to diagnose that over the radio. <laughs> and drip systems, uh, they they are a funny thing. I uh, put in a bunch and uh, used you got experience. Used a, a technique I actually learned from you when y'all did the install at uh, our property. So y'all did the uh, a drip irrigation system at the house I built in Whitman, and then I moved property and I put in my own and used a few techniques. And I've actually kind of changed that a little bit. So you taught me to whatever the gallon per drip is, mm-hmm. stick it in the hose buried in the ground, so that way when animals chew on your spaghetti lines, yep. you still get your proper flow. Yep. And that works great until it gets plugged with calcium. And then I've got to dig up the line, to <laughs> pull that head out and put a new head in. I'm like, man, this is a lot of digging. <laughs> so in a lot of cases, I've actually reversed that. We're actually put the open line in now. Mm-hmm. And then I've put on an adjustable head. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but those do get chewed. And sometimes I got to go out there and chase. And I, I think um, it's not on a top priority list right now. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've talked myself into going to a bubbler system. <laughs> you know, and there's still a place for that. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it it just depends on your unique situation, your unique needs. And and in your case, you're doing uh, at Romy in your place, you're growing vegetables and and plants and things you want to eat, and that's a little bit agriculture. That's not just landscape. So yeah, in that situation, you know, I've got bubblers on my citrus trees. So I'd be a hypocrite if I said I I just just put a drip system in. Yeah, and that's uh, that's what we're probably going to go to for the orchard yeah. is, is yeah. a bubbler system. Put it like a fertilizer, a liquid injector, so that uh, you mm-hmm. know, it gets a little bit every single time, and you don't have to worry about remembering mm-hmm. to get out there and spread your granulars. And you know, I've I've got to do things that don't take a lot of time. I do want the produce, but we also have a lot of other things that uh, we do on the property and with the kids and. The least amount of time I can spend out there with a little so measuring my shaker and going around the tree. You don't enjoy digging up drip systems. <laughs> don't enjoy digging up drip systems. <laughs> so, so Gl- Gloria, we'll get you in touch with Bill. They'll come out and give you uh, an assessment of what needs to be done to yeah, properly do. And and you had mentioned you replaced uh, components of your Rainbird system. Look, I've what was on the property I'm on now with Amanda was a Hunter. It was installed there in 2001. Probably one of the first years we had an LED uh, screen come into the sprinkler world. I mean, it, it, it's a computer that's sitting on the side of the house getting baked in the yes. sun. And I've replaced module mm-hmm. about five years ago. That worked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the module went bad again. I replaced it, and it doesn't work. And, you know, it, it's a 2001. It, it's a computer that's been sitting on the side of the house yeah. getting baked. I just need to invest in a new Irrigation they, timer. They wear out. And we are going to talk about irrigation yep. timers. We've got a special interview coming up. Are you familiar with Mel's Mix, the square foot gardening? Uh, yes. All right. We've got a special interview with his son, Stephen, who's taken over for Mel uh, right after this. And then we'll get to that irrigation timer conversation along with Paul, who wants to talk about fertilizing and getting mineral buildups out of his pipe. Well, Paul, you solved that. 
making our way through our outdoor living hour. We've got a special guest online calling from the other side of the country out of Long Island, New York. And you think, well, come on. What could Long Island possibly have to do in relation to growing anything in our garden in Arizona? Well, it all ties into this concept you've heard us talking about for years called the square foot gardening. And it was a concept by a man named Mel Bartholomew. And what really got me inspired about his process is when I got to sit down with him one night in Prescott. He was in town uh, with a local supplier getting his system set up, and I got invited to sit down with dinner with him. And it was really his vision for what this system could do was to teach the world how to grow and eat their own food. And what drew me to him is he got rejected by major organizations and nonprofits that ask you to send them money to feed the hungry. And he brought this to him. He's like, well, if we taught the hungry how to feed themselves, then we wouldn't need to be an organization and like brush Mel off. It's like, here's the guy that's got your solution and you're brushing him off. (laughs) It it really drew me to his vision and his passion. And his son is taking over and is joining us from Long Island to talk about uh, his father and the square foot garden. Steve, thanks for taking a few minutes to join us Saturday morning. Uh, You're welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It was quite a quite a special dinner with your dad. Yeah, he was a special man, and uh, his whole concept of square foot gardening is uh, at the time uh, started out small, but really took on uh, quite some legs uh, once the TV show got going on PBS, and before you knew it, it could be seen across the nation on uh, every Saturday afternoon, and uh, it really did take off. It's such a simple concept, and of course, the humanitarian aspect of Wanting to end world hunger uh, was uh, his mission, and uh, my wife, Laura, and I have taken over the foundation once he passed, and we are working on articulating um, the aspect of uh, trying to end world hunger one square foot at a time. And how does that one square foot make a difference? Well, you know, if everybody did that, it would really make a difference. When you think about the waste that's used in trucking vegetables across the country and the purchasing of vegetables from other countries that you could grow right here, realistically, if everyone had a square foot garden in their own backyard, they really could help uh, alleviate a lot of the waste in the world. And what can you get out of a square foot when it well, comes you to get, down uh, to growing? You get, you can get anywhere from one tomato plant to four lettuce plants to 16 radish plants. And the standard square foot garden is a four foot by four foot bed, and that's 16 squares. And in many cases of the country, especially where you guys are, you can plant possibly with some shade uh, more than uh, one, probably two or three crops a year. And then... To set that up, I loved his on-top-of-the-ground concept. It didn't start with digging a bunch. It didn't start with cultivating a bunch. It was get the boards, get your parameter, your your kit, dump in your soil, plant your seed. Yeah, pretty much it. Pretty much it. The main thing that we're finding today is that people really want to know about Mel's mix. And this is your growing soil that he developed after years and years of research. And it's it's really quite simple. It's based on volume, so you're looking at one-third compost, one-third peat moss, and one-third coarse vermiculite. And in a typical four-foot by four-foot by six-inch deep, six deep square uh, box, that's uh, eight cubic feet. 
And it doesn't have to be limited to this box either. One of the things that you learn in the Square Foot Gardening book is he, Mel experimented with all kinds of things. He would put trellises by them and grow melons vertically. Uh, you know, the root system may be in there, but the plant doesn't have to be confined to the square f- foot box. I mean, the, you can let this system grow outside of itself. And they do, and they do. And actually, it's quite pretty when you, you we have um, three foot by six foot beds right here outside of our kitchen. And uh, a lot of times the uh, herbs, my wife likes to plant the herbs in the corners, and they kind of spread out over onto the patio. And it's very pretty, and it looks really nice. And yes, the uh, the vertical does really well. Our tomato plants just skyrocketed this past summer, and we're looking forward to another good crop this year. Now, my family goes back to Southwest Louisiana, and I've got a lot of relatives that are rice farmers. And I thought I was I thought I was going to stump Mel and jokingly say, "Well, you know, you could do everything but rice in this." And he said, "You know what? No, I got rice to grow. I just had to plant them all in styrofoam so they floated, and you, I would put the <laughs> rice at the bottom of the styrofoam so it was in the water like it needed to be." He's like, "You just have to waterproof your box, but you could do rice." I thought, "Gosh darn it!" You could. <laughs> he you thought really of everything. <laughs> You could pretty much grow anything in a square foot garden. We've seen them uh, with uh, one whole uh, box filled with nothing but corn. Uh, others may like, uh, say, asparagus, which comes up every year. So the elevated beds also we have. Uh, we have one out here that we're testing that's an elevated bed um, that's used for um, people with disabilities. And, for instance, that right now is filled with garlic that's doing very well. Well, it's a great concept. I'm so glad to hear you and your wife have taken this on and continued this uh, mission of teaching people how to feed themselves at their own home, not only uh, locally in the United States, but, you know, so much of his focus was Africa and third world countries where, you know, supplies of fresh fruits and vegetables weren't always there, but there was enough water in these places you could grow your own food. And, you know, the interesting thing is you save so much in terms of uh, wasting uh, without, uh, so let's take watering, for instance. Uh, a lot of the big old single-row gardens, you're broadcasting water everywhere. And you're watering everything but the plants. In many cases, now with square foot gardening, you have a nice bucket next to your garden. It's sun-warmed. You dip uh, a little pail in there, and you go ahead and water things right down at the, near the root base where the plant uh, enters the soil, and you save quite a bit that way. And in many arid places... Um, Saving water is uh, is traditional and it's huge, and um, especially in Africa, we've got some people doing um, some wonderful things in South Africa, where a lot of the golf courses have been donating space. They've been building large scale square foot gardens, and the people in the village come out and they garden it, and they're getting a lot of fresh vegetables, and they're conserving their water that way as well. Now, there's a uh not a better time in Arizona to plant. We're coming right into April. Our soil temperatures are getting warm. Uh, I know we're going to have a big summer heat, but this is the time to start planting melons in particular. They do great here locally. In fact, Phoenix was almost named Pumpkinville when they came here from all the abandoned pumpkins and those types of of vegetables that were left from the Indian tribes hundreds of years previously. Uh, Hmm. Website to look up the square foot gardening and find a local mel mix supplier? Uh, you could, you could. It is much easier to make it yourself, but uh, we're in the process now of looking at the suppliers with either regional or national uh, distribution for Mel's Mix, so we'll need a little bit more time on that. I'm not sure if that's going to happen this summer, 
but your listeners can go on to uh, squarefootgardening.org, and uh, we uh, have all the requirements right there to make Mel's Mix. It's, it, it is really simple. And I love that about Mel's. It was never about, you know, what's in it for me. No, I'm teaching you how to do it. I'm teaching you how to do it. Well, you know, you started off with that in the beginning where uh, he was all about teaching somebody to uh, fish instead of giving them the fish. So uh, that was something that was near and dear to his heart. So this is, uh, we're carrying on with that. Uh, the website has tremendous amount of uh, free basics that we're giving out. I mean, we do want, uh, we do feel strongly about our new edition, our new third edition. Uh, that's also uh, available on the website through Amazon. But uh, we do uh, have quite a bit there that can get gardeners going. Well, if you've ever considered gardening or if this hasn't inspired you to garden, I, you know what? Maybe your neighbor is and you can buy locally from your neighbor. <laughs> you, you could. And uh, this is such a simple way. There's no reason why anybody can't garden anywhere in the country, um, even where you have the tremendous heat out where you guys are in Arizona. Uh, some shade cloth on top of a small little um, protection cloth uh, will uh, will do wonders to keep your garden growing and not burning up. Steve Bartholomew, thank you for joining us uh, from Long Island, New York this morning to tell us uh, about the continuation that your family's doing through the square foot gardening and the global mission of you know, ending world hunger. Great. Thanks very much. Remember, reuse, reduce, and recycle. And we look forward to having him back on the air. There's quite a lot of developments that have changed through uh, through their company and it's a, it's a really neat mission, but I've been promising we would get to the topic of selecting irrigation controller. I'm in the process of this. As I mentioned, I've got one that's 19 years old. It's fried. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the new technology is great, but uh, the electronic components got melted by the sun, basically. And there's still old timers out there that don't have those that are still working. <laughs> True, and I mean, we have to give a lot of credence to the fact that these poor devices do operate in some very harsh conditions. Uh, you imagine the temperature on that uh, controller sitting on the west side of a, of a Arizona afternoon uh, west wall. You know, we try not to situate these controllers in the harsh uh, walls, but you know, even just, just outside, you know, being in the Arizona heat, uh, it's tough on these little computerized controllers to be out in that, in that environment. So um, they do last an awfully long time, but, you know, they have a lifespan. Obviously, these electronic components fail with time. So, um, and there's such a wide variety of controllers to choose from nowadays. Uh, we like to try and find the right controller for the application. That's the first thing. Um, but not one that's overcomplicated, something that's easy for the controller, uh, for, I'm sorry, for the, uh, for the end user to use, something that's as easy as possible for them to program. Because if it's too complicated, they're not going to use it. And that goes back to my first concern is um, if In they're not going to use it, <laughs> if they're scared of it, if they don't want to turn that key and open it and look at it, and if it's the like the, uh, the old VCRs, remember it's blinking 12? <laughs> You know, if if it's just going to be, you know, the wrong time and the wrong date and they don't know, they just see the sprinklers come on every now and they don't know, you know, when it's set, um, you know, it's kind of all a moot point. So, Well, there's lots of different so, uh, landscape suppliers throughout the state. You've mm -hmm. got uh, Sprinkler World. You've got Ewing. Uh, I think John Deere is like Site One now or something yes, like that. There's some name changing going on, but it's all, all available online. Um, good folks out there, you know, Sprinkler World's a good friend of ours. Um, we, uh, uh, 
obviously online. I, I, I don't need to, to, to say. Uh, I'm a big Rainbird fan. Uh, they make some great products, Hunter, uh, Toro, uh, all the biggies out there. There are some other little companies out there making some really interesting products now, uh, and uh, it's more than we can go into here, but uh, a lot of uh, Wi-Fi products now where, um, you know, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, you know, apps on your phone, uh, we're getting away from controllers that you have to go to the controller and program it. Once you get these things plugged in and set up, uh, you've got an app on your phone. You could be in Shanghai <laughs> and turn your sprinklers on and off. You mean so, there's an app for that? <laughs> yes, there's an app for that. So, um, just, yeah, it's it's all part of the uh, connected world. So, Well, we'll look forward to uh, seeing those. I know... A lot of times when they're new, it takes a couple of years of development, and then... Yeah, they're reaching you know, the, some levels of maturity. It's all part of the Internet of Things, uh, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not one of those people that jumps in and uses brand new things. I, I, I'm a little more stable in that regard. I've been around the industry long enough. I like to let things settle down a little bit. The, uh, the technology's there. The functionality follows. <laughs> yeah, and I like to see things mature a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, we have one final segment here. If you've got a question, we've got Paul that wants to talk about, uh, again, coffee grounds and calcium uh, in the water supply. That's uh, something interesting. A Yuma hmm. farmer joined us at the beginning of the year and said, you know, uh, a certain percent of the water that they're applying to their crop is to leach out the calcium that's in the water. <laughs> so that's a, that, that's a big problem when it comes to landscaping. So we'll, we'll address that here at Rosie on the House. And with the amount of weeds, the amount of bugs have tripled. If you've got a garden that you're working hard to uh, get a little produce out of, and those bugs think that you're doing all that hard work for them <laughs> and enjoying your harvest, you can take care of that organically with Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Fact acting all organic you can consume the vegetables the same day it's applied because it's just that natural it's actually developed out of old rum bottles that they found in the caribbean they were able to pull an ingredient out of uh and apply to captain jack's dead bug brew caterpillars beetles spider mites anything crawling on your vegetable and it's you can apply it in multiple different ways you can hook up a sprayer you can get a spray bottle uh, you can find it all over the state including treeland nursery in mesa Summerwinds nursery in glendale or mesquite valley growers in tucson find a local retailer at bonide.com bonide products are family made in america The Outdoor Living Hour. Paul's going to join us at one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. How may we help you this morning, Paul? Do we have Paul online? Yes, hi. Can yes, you hear sir. Me? Good morning, Paul. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a soft water system that we flush weekly. And we've been using it for irrigating our citrus trees. And uh, landscaper said you really shouldn't do that because there's too much potassium in the water or something. And I, I just didn't know whether that was a good idea to continue using it or not. Well, let me ask the first question. Uh, how are you getting the water the s to the citrus tree? Because a uh, water treatment system will actually address 
the water pipe. You know, we talked at the beginning, you've got the turnoff to the backflow prevention. The water treatment system's designed past the pressure regulator on the home. And unless you're running a hose from inside your house <laughs> or the they, they usually leave a spigot so you can wash your car. Yeah, it comes out the spigot, and we run it, we're running a hose from the spigot to uh, irrigate the citrus trees. Yeah. Well, I'd say more than anything, that's kind of expensive. We used to have treated water onto a citrus tree. I'd, I'd go back to your municipal water source. No, it's just, it's just the flush out. It, it has to be flushed out. Uh, they dispose of the water, uh, clean out the The clean cycle. Oh. Yeah, clean. Yeah. I don't think I'd be too worried about that. You're not talking about it. If that's the only water source, the only time you're watering your citrus, I'd be a right. little worried. But if it's like kind of like backwashing your pool, if it right. just happens, okay. I, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. All right. And uh, the the other thing is uh, my wife's been using coffee grounds for years to fertilize the citrus trees. And I said, gee, you know, there comes a point where maybe that's enough coffee grounds, but I didn't know, you know, well, what you might acidic. recommend. You know, our soils are so alkaline that uh, I can't see where that'd be a problem. That's acidic. And, I mean, obviously it's going to combine with the soil and it's going to neutralize it. So I can't see where that'd be a bad thing. <laughs> I don't, how many coffee grounds would it take to finally kill the uh, alkalinity in the soil? <laughs> Could you put <laughs> enough in? <laughs> That's Probably a lot of coffee. Not. You'd be awake for a long time. <laughs> and, and your citrus <laughs> would be too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so probably not a, an issue in either case, Paul. We appreciate the call. Uh, final, final points. We had a texter want to know what makes a valve go bad. How? Uh, I, and, and was it was it that why does it stick on? I think that was the refinement. Yeah, what of the causes question. them to not shut off fully? Well, uh, first of all, things fail, <laughs> but uh, all of the little electric valves that we use are diaphragm operated valves, and they all operate on the same principles. But they basically have little rubber parts inside, and those rubber parts fail. Um, if you're not dealing with just debris in the valve, something fouling something, so obviously disassembling it very carefully, taking very, very careful note of how, as you take it apart, it came apart. Um, you know, obviously, here's YouTube again. Uh, you know, look at the make and the model. If you can find stickers on it with part numbers, uh, a color, a make, a model, find anything on it. Go to YouTube, take a look at it, watch a video. Somebody's got a video somewhere of that particular make and model being taken apart. Watch it. Um, go to the manufacturer site. Same thing. Look for a, a video if you can. Take it apart very carefully. Pay attention to how it came apart so you can put it back together again. Uh, take some notes, draw a picture, draw a diagram if necessary. Uh, oftentimes you'll find debris in it. Other than that, the little rubber parts typically wear out. If you can go get some new parts from a distributor like our friends over at Sprinkler World or Ewing or one of the other suppliers, um, put it back together again. Chances are you'll solve the problem. Uh, other than that, uh, that's what professionals are for. Uh, most of uh, the guys out there have uh, service guys, and uh, they can fix it for you. And there's a lot of different things that the professionals do. You've got the Arizona Landscape Contractors Association. Mm -hmm. You've got your, is it SML certification for sustainable, or is it SLM? SLM. SLM, right, right. Sustainable Landscape Management Practices. Right. There's endless certifications. Right. That just shows that the people have jumped through some hoops and have worked hard to, to – to, to, to say that they're working to try and do better. You know, they're, they're not just uh, riding on their laurels. Well, we appreciate you spending Saturday morning down here with us. Uh, Thank it's you. 
Think green, design, design build, build, landscape. Got it. New. I, I will get and that designated pools. to me, to memory. Yes. Pools. Yes, we we build pools and spas. So a complete landscape. And remodel. <laughs> design, build, remodel. Yes. The yes. complete backyard. Package. Keep adding to this. <laughs> <laughs> I got to add paving into that next. <laughs> we, well, we. Okay, we won't. A lot like that. asphalt paving. No. <laughs> <laughs> pavers, yes. Asphalt yeah, pavers, paved, right. Asphalt right, paving, right. no. All right, and it's Think Green. Yes, our website would be thinkgreenaz.com. Very good. Well, thanks for spending Saturday morning with us. If you've got a question that you weren't able to get in, we do have a couple callers that are in the screening process online. If they're landscape, hang on. Bill will answer your question on the air. If they're home improvement questions, that's for our open line hour. Come up here next at Rosie on the House at one 767 4348 That's one 888 rosie for you for any questions about your home, castle, or cabin. <laughs>